Take your Bibles out with me, if you would, this morning, and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19 within God's Word. Amen. Jeremy, I might go back to my other microphone. I was hoping to preach with the countryman, but it's all messed up up here. Okay, I'm going to go back to the other one. I wanted so much to go with the hands-free speaking this morning, but I can't tell you what it feels like when you feel like you're speaking inside a big tin can, and that's the way it sounded uh, up here, and I still have some kind of an echo that's happening up here. I'd appreciate that so much. First Kings chapter 19 within God's Word, and uh, Josh Short, I want you to get ready this morning. Be instant in season and out of season, brother. Amen. Good-looking young adults up front there. Amen. Have you ever purchased something new recently? Well, it was used, but for me it was new. It was new. Uh, Many of you that know me well, you know I'm a horse trader. And I love used cars. I've never bought a new car in my life, only used cars. And uh, uh, part of the reason's not because I'm cheap. Part of the reason is I just get bored real easily with what I'm, I'm driving. And uh, I went out a week ago Saturday and uh, found what I thought was a real good bargain, a real good deal, and uh, bought myself, it was new to me, but a 2011 Chrysler 200 Touring. And for you Chrysler people out there, how many Chrysler-related people do we have out there? You're, 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 you're related somehow in automotive to Chrysler somehow, some way. Good job! Wow, I love the car. Man, oh man, we're putting the Lincoln on the block to sell. Pray for me to sell it. And uh, I've enjoyed that, but uh, I, you know, I had a GM last fall, drove in the Lincoln over the winter time. I thought, need to give equal time where equal time is due. The Detroit's big three, and uh, I, I, man, I drove it Sunday. I didn't put it in my parking uh, uh, space because I wanted to fool you. I didn't want you to think I got a new one so soon. And uh, having fun on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, I was as glad as could be with that purchase, still finding new neat thingamajobs on the Chrysler and uh, so enjoying it. And I I was uh, driving, uh, uh, getting ready uh, Tuesday night for my neighborhood meeting for the, the, the building program, and I wrecked it. I was driving parallel with another car, a car of two ladies, and uh, of a lifestyle that I've preached against. And I was driving parallel on Shaner, and uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, they didn't see me somehow and T-boned me. And uh, I jumped out of the car, uh, my uh, car that I'd been so glad with, And I jumped out, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I just bought this! As I looked at her. And I just 
bought this. It's, it's, it's new to me. Then I looked at the whole side of it that I had just washed and waxed and made sure that every little dimple was waxed on it and German perfect. And I went from going from glad to mad to sad. <laughs> and I can remember my grandpa. My grandpa had all these little sayings, and his one saying that has been echoing through my brain all week, take joyfully the spoiling of your goods. Take joyfully the spoiling of your goods. Phil, take joyfully the spoiling of your goods. That's what he'd always say when we'd run into a period of bad luck. In 1 Kings chapter 19, We catch someone praying, not at a church altar, but in the middle of the desert, at a desert shrub, at a place of death, deprivation. It's a desert in southern Israel. This man was no ordinary man. He's a prophet of God and not no ordinary prophet. This man's prayers could shut up the heavens and there would be no rain. This man's prayers could call forth the blessings of heaven and it would rain. This man's prayers, when an army would come against him, he would take on entire armies with his prayers. He could call down fire, the Bible says, that would devour entire divisions and armies. This man's prayers called down fire to consume the sacrifice. This man's prayers split the river Jordan and he walked across on dry ground. This man's prayers raised the dead. It's all there in your Bible. So, what do we find the prophet praying? As Josh Short joins me up here right now. Josh, what do we find the prophet Elijah praying in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. It's right up there on the screen for you, brother. It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Thank you, Josh. Give him a hand this morning. Did you hear that? It is enough now. Oh, Lord, take away my life. What do we have here? What kind of prayer do we have here? We got the prayer of a suicide victim. Not what we expect from the man of miracles, the prophet of God, praying that God would kill him. Elijah wants to die. Why? Because he's caught fast in the deadly grip of depression. Depression. What can we say about depression? Depression is known as the greatest mental health problem on the planet. Newsweek magazine, and I quote, depression, long the leading mental illness in the United States, is now virtually epidemic, and suicide is its all too frequent outcome. In the opinion of many researchers today, more human suffering results from depression than from any other disease afflicting mankind. 
The third, third message in my series, The Fearsome Foursome, is this this morning. Glad, mad, or just plain sad? What are you this morning? As we are confronted with this demonic dilemma that the enemy of your soul and my soul uses on a consistent basis to paralyze us, immobilize us, to demoralize us in the plan of God. Are you glad, mad, or just plain sad? Father, in the name of Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, and seal this word within us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Depression's main supplier. Before Elijah found himself in a black pit of depression, before he was so sad, the Bible reveals to us he was very mad. 1 Kings 19.10, Elijah spouts off to God, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. Say that with me right now. I'm the only one left. What do you see here? What kind of party's going on here? Oh, a pity party, yeah. The man of God is saying, I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. They're out to get me. They're out to kill me. You sense some rejection here? Hey, can you relate with this man? Can you relate with this prophet that uh, the Bible says is a man of like passions like you and I? Have you ever been really angry? Huh? I mean, red-faced, stomp the floor, pound the table, eye-popping, spitting, angry. Have you? Oh, you super spiritual people out there. Sure you have, and I have too. We've all been angry at one time or another. We just express it on different levels, don't we? Being angry is not being sinful. Being angry is being normal. Anger is a God-given emotion. It sure is. Yes, the Bible uh, reveals this. Ephesians 4.26, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. Being angry is not sinful. Allowing anger to go unchecked, allowing anger to fester, allowing anger to grow and take hold in your life is. Both the Bible and psychology let us know that if anger is not mastered, if anger goes unchecked, it can escalate into four stages. You might want to write these down real quick. Anger begins with frustration. When was the last time you were frustrated? Hmm? I usually get frustrated when I can't find something. I usually get frustrated when I just know that I know that I know that I know that Becky has a conspiracy against me. 
I know that she has purposely, purposely hidden something of mine just so I will be utterly dependent upon her as my wife. And we're usually getting ready for something. It's a banquet, a convention, a meeting here at church. And uh, we're, we're, we're always running, always uh, dressing for something. And I couldn't find my brown pants. And the more I searched, the more I, I, I ran around the house, went in the laundry room. Is it in the basement by the ironing board? Is it in my, 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 my chest? Is it hanging up? I'm just getting more and more frustrated. And finally, 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 I said, Rebecca, where have you hidden my brown pants? Where are my brown pants? She shouted from upstairs, you're wearing them. Look down, I was. <laughs> Folks, it's getting bad. Pray for me. <laughs> Frustration. The next stage of anger, the next stage, you might want to write it down. Anger can turn from frustration into indignation. Indignation. A feeling that a wrong must be righted. Indignation. How many of you have watched the... Uh, the sad, sad turn of events in Baltimore uh, the last many days. I love, though, watching that mother that went chasing down her son. And she's slapping him. And she's, you take that hood off. You're not going to be a part of this. And she's just slapping the life out of him. I mean, uh, I just, I mean, she has become a celebrity now. I mean, that, that this world that's so worried about us abusing our children if we discipline our children, she's being hailed as a hero. And she is, in my book, my, my, my. That's, that's indignation, uh, that a wrong must be righted. Yes. But if anger allows to fester and grow, it can move from indignation to wrath. Wrath. Uncontrollable anger can develop into wrath, and wrath never goes unexpressed. Wrath demands retaliation. A minister acquaintance of mine was over here at the bank, and the bank was taking longer than, than normal as he was at the drive through waiting for that uh, tube thing to spit out the cartridge and uh, he, he was taking care of his bank and he, he, he couldn't move his car and the, in, the, the car behind him, the guy was getting more and more frustrated, more and more angry, more and more impatient, revving his engine behind him, uh, coming up and getting close to his bumper. And, and my minister friend, he couldn't move his car because he hadn't gotten his receipts back yet. And then the guy behind him starts beeping on his horn. And, and uh, so uh, my minister friend leaned out and said, what's your problem? That lit the fuse. The guy jumped out of his car, ran to my minister friend's car, who immediately rolled up his windows, locked his doors. The guy jumped on his hood. There goes my phone. Jumped on his hood like a frog, grabbed his wipers and bent them and ripped them off the windshield. Got off his hood, got in his car, and then drove away. Wrath. Wrath 
cannot go unexpressed. Wrath is anger that is expressed through retaliation, but we haven't hit the worst yet. Anger can ultimately, anger can ultimately evolve into, develop into rage. We have a new nomenclature now for traffic with this kind of anger. We call it what kind of rage? My most tragic funeral that I ever conducted here at this church was a dear 24-year-old young adult who was the victim, she was the victim of road rage on I-75 coming through Flint. She was the total innocent victim of someone's inability to master their anger. Sir, ma'am, young person, master your anger before it masters you. Master your anger before it masters you because anger that goes unchecked will release itself in one form or one fashion. Yet there's the tragic consequences of outer directed anger that they fill our daily news with the school shootings, workplace shootings. But what happens? This is where I'm going in the message this morning. What happens when anger is not outer-directed, but it's inner-directed. What happens when anger is directed inward? If you were a counselor, how would you diagnose Elijah? In him we see hurt, we see self-pity, we see uh, uh, anger, we see deep-seated feelings of resentment and feelings of rejection. I know what it's like. I've been there. You pour yourself out as a minister. You, you give your best. You spend time in counseling. You pour yourself into a situation, and there's no change. In fact, there's rejection. I understand. We as pastors understand that, that, that that's why uh, I know of a minister that uh, became, he, he, he just chucked the whole pastoring business and became a funeral director. And when he was asked, why did you become a funeral director? He said, well, I spent years trying to, to put Billy Bob and, and Sue's marriage back together. And they divorced. And I, I spent years trying to get uh, uh, Joe Bob's uh, drinking problem settled and uh, cleaned up. And there he is, a boozer, a loser. Now, he said, now when I straighten people out as a funeral director, they stay straightened out. Elijah is a minister that's feeling rejected. He's angry. He's wallowing in self-pity. He's moved from being mad into sad. Christian psychologist Dr. Paul Meyer, Dr. Paul Meyer says this, 95% of all cases of depression are caused by repressed anger or anger that's turned inward toward an abuser or toward oneself. Allowing anger to simmer deep in your soul is exactly what brings on the depletion of serotonin and clinical depression. It's no wonder then that depression, another classical term for depression, is frozen rage. Frozen rage. 
the result of unresolved, repressed anger that has just shoved down and shoved down and shoved down inside. Dr. Tim LaHaye, the author of the Left Behind series, who's also a renowned Christian psychologist, has come up with a depression formula. Insult plus injury plus rejection multiplied by anger equals what? Depression. There it is. Is there victory over depression, this sad, mad syndrome? I've discovered that the depressed, when I ministered to depressed individuals, I've discovered that most of them, most if not all, are facing the wrong direction. They're looking in the wrong direction. They're focused on the wrong direction. What are you talking about, Pastor? Write it down with me as you follow along. Refuse to live sideways. Refuse to live life looking sideways. Refuse to compare yourself with others. We're often mad, sad, angry, uh, depressed because we don't have what others have. My dad told me last night on the phone that a dear friend of his is in a state of depression. I said, why is he in a state of depression? Because he said his sister died. I said, uh, you mean he's depressed because his sister has died? No, no, he's glad his sister is dead. She's up in her 90s and she needed to go home to be with the Lord. Uh, uh, he was glad because when she died, she left him a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, but his siblings got involved in the estate matters, and now instead of 250 grand, it's only 80 grand, and he's in a state of depression. <laughs> I don't know about you. Somebody leave me 80 grand. <laughs> then they change their mind. I, I'd be just thank. I'd be thankful my sister leave me just five dollars. I mean, <laughs> my my my. It, it's amazing what happens when we compare. We compare and say, uh, I don't have those good looks. I don't have those opportunities. I, I wish I had that kind of money. I wish I had what they live in, what they drive. Uh, why can't I be like that? If we truly believe that God is our creator, if we truly believe that God orders the steps of the righteous, and goes before us and makes the crooked way straight. When we complain, when we compare, when we get depressed, when we compare by looking sideways in life, who are we really complaining about? Who are we really angry at when we compare? Who are we really directing our resentment towards? Bingo, God. Right. Right. That's the sad, tragic aspect of comparing. Listen, that's why the last commandment of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not covet. Comparisons are unscriptural. Comparisons are ungodly. Comparisons will kill the joy of the Lord within you. There's two things that I've learned about comparing. Number one, there's always going to be somebody better than me. Come on, just face it. <laughs> There's always going to be somebody that you think has more or has the best. That leads me to number two. The grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence. All that's gold really doesn't glitter. 
That's right. People that I've thought, that I've thought, that I've thought, that have it all, I sit down and I find out all their problems. I mean, all the stuff that they own that ends up owning them. And I, I come away thinking, praise God that I don't have what they have. You hear me in this? Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. What has God put in your hand? What has God blessed you with? What opportunities has God opened up for you? Let me tell you, the greatest cure for depression is to determine to be a blessing to others. The greatest cure for depression is to join us this Wednesday night at our big give and get involved in helping the needy. Get involved in helping the poor. Get involved in being other-centered instead of self-directed, self-centered, self-motivated. To be out to please me, myself, and I. What has God put in your hand? Whatever God has done for you and blessed you with, whatever doors are open for you, be the best you can be with what God has put into your hand. And watch the joy come. The joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Amen. Praise the Lord. Secondly, Refuse to be depressed by looking backwards in anger at those who hurt you in the past. What happened? What happened? What happened, Edify? What happened to Lot's wife when she looked back on the city of Sodom? She was turned into what? She, thank you, Edify. She was turned into a pillar of salt. That's right. One Sunday school boy was being taught by a Sunday school teacher uh, about Lot's wife who looked back, turned back, and was turned into a pillar of salt. He said, that's nothing. My mom was driving, and she looked back, and she turned into a telephone pole. <laughs> Lakeside family member, are you stuck in the past? Are, are you stuck in the past? Did somebody hurt you in the past? Who's hurt you? Who's rejected you? Who's abused you? Was it someone at school? Was it a coach, a classmate? Hmm? Was it a boss? Was it your company? Who's hurt you? Was it a parent? Was it a sibling? Is it your child? Who's robbing you of your, uh, of your joy? Is it your spouse? Who's hurt you in the past? Is it an ex? God's prescription is found in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge. My dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see that there? God is saying, vengeance is mine. I will repay. 
God is saying when you are resentful towards someone, when you direct your anger towards someone that has hurt you, when you direct your feelings of, of resentment and, and hatred and anger towards someone that has used and abused you, God is saying, stay out of my business. Vengeance is mine. You're not God. I am God. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, Elijah, Elijah was moving into God's business. He was becoming resentful. Listen, Jesus taught us to love even our enemies. Not only because it's the good thing to do, the right thing to do, loving your enemies, now hear me in this, loving your enemies is the healthy thing to do. It's healthy physically, it's healthy mentally, emotionally, psychologically, relationally. God didn't wire you or program you for anger and resentment and retaliation. You are a creature, a masterpiece of love. You have been programmed to love, not to hate. You have been wired by the master artist to be a lover and not a hater. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a love machine created by God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. I'm a love machine. People are having a spiritual experience. Even right now, I'm noticing that. Hallelujah. Write it down. Write it down. Refuse to angrily look inward with feelings of failure. Some people, their problem isn't looking sideways. Their problem is not looking backwards, stuck in the past. Their problem is they're focused on me, myself, and I all the time. They're self-absorbed. One of the symptoms of depression when I counsel depression is self-absorption. Self-absorption. They're looking inward. Their focus is inward. They're focusing on feelings of failure. Elijah, read 1 Kings 19. Elijah says, God, I'm no better than my fathers, my ancestors. I'm the only one serving you. My ministry has made no impact. God, I'm a failure. When Elijah did the bookkeeping on his life, he came up with one big zero. I want to remind you again, when it comes to doing bookkeeping on people's lives, that's not our job. There's only one master bookkeeper, and that's God, God Almighty. Bookkeeping on people's lives, on whether they're a success or a failure, is the business of God. We're not competent enough to tell the difference between success and failure. Some of the greatest successes that the world has applauded are dismal failures. Elvis Presley, Amy Winehouse, Whitney Houston, and the names go on and on. 
They achieved in the world's eyes the greatest standards of success. But when we found out the inner life, we found that they were an absolute failure morally, spiritually bankrupt. While on the other hand, what the world deems as a loser, a failure. For instance, he was known as the illegitimate son of a carpenter from Nazareth. How did he end up his three years of ministry? Every one of his followers ran out on him. One, his treasurer betrayed him. One, his assistant said, I don't even know the man. He ends up being nailed to a cross, which is the most shameful death of any person of any time during the Roman period. He dies a criminal's death. And the world looks at Jesus Christ as an absolute abject failure. But what do we know? I witnessed Wednesday night for about an hour to someone who does not believe in God or Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And I said, Sir, I want you to consider the impact of Jesus upon this world. In the most recent edition of Encyclopedia Britannica, when the Encyclopedia Britannica describes Aristotle, Sophocles, Plato, when, when the Encyclopedia Britannica describes Alexander the Great, Napoleon, Buddha, Confucius, uh, Muhammad, all the greats of history, both religious and military greats and philosophical greats, do you realize that more words are used in the description of Jesus Christ than all of the greats in literary history? Jesus Christ is reserved for the greatest space of laud and applause than any other person. No other person has more impacted artistry and literature and poetry and the buildings around the world and the music that we sing. No other person has impacted world history like Jesus Christ because the world thought he was a failure, but God raised him from the dead. And this world has still, still not caught up with the power and the glory and the impact of Jesus, the world's greatest success. God says to Elijah, it's not your business to do bookkeeping on your life. And by the way, Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verse 18, God says, incidentally, there's 7,000 men in Israel who have never bowed to Baal nor kissed him. You are not alone. I'm going to keep the books. It's not your business to keep books, Elijah. You've made an impact and you don't even know it. Are you depressed this morning because you feel like a loser? Are you depressed this morning because you failed somehow, in some way? God has a very profound, philosophical, theological, revelatory word for you this morning. Here it is. Let go of it. I said, let go of it. Did you, did, did you lose a job last year? Did you get fired? Did you get laid off last year? An old slew foot wants to make you feel like a loser. Let go of it. 
Did you fail an exam recently? Did you blow it in a class recently in your grades? Let go of it. Do you feel like a, a loser because your boyfriend or your girlfriend broke your heart and rejected you and went on to somebody else? Let go of it in the name of Jesus. Put your trust in the divine matchmaker. Hallelujah. His dot com of His Holy Spirit will find you the right person because He's always got somebody better for us. Amen? Did you really mess up and fall into immorality? Did you fall into terrible, terrible, deep sin. I'm here to before you this morning and I declare there's no pit of sin that is so black and is so deep that His grace is not greater still. His grace is greater than all of our sins. Amen? Let go of it in the name of Jesus. Stop looking. Stop looking at where you've been and start looking where you can be in Christ Jesus. Paul the Apostle said, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! Let go of it! Let go of it! You let go of it, it'll let go of you. Write it down. Refuse to fearfully look forward at the what-ifs of all of your tomorrows. Some people can't live forward with expectation. They live forward with fear. They look at all the what-ifs. The what-ifs. That was Elijah's problem. Elijah's problem was that he began his plummet into the black pit of depression through fear. Queen Jezebel said this in verse 2. She said, you killed my prophets, and now I swear by the gods that I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow night. Do you wake up in the middle of the night focusing on the what-ifs? What if I won't have enough money to pay my bills? What if I don't finish a college? What if I don't graduate? What if I won't ever find true love and get married? What if I never achieve success and end up a loser? What if I lose my hair? What if I lose my teeth? What if I lose my mind and I don't remember where I left it and I've got my brown pants on? What if? Fear cannot change one second of your past. But fear can give you sleepless nights. Fear will rob you of the joy of today and all of your tomorrows. The Bible is still the best psychology book out there. Listen to what it says about the mind. The Bible says in Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Ephesians 4, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Philippians 4, fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise while fear will fuel your depression while fear will feed your depression faith will feed your joy you can't think negative thoughts and expect to live a positive life that's the word of the Lord refuse number five to live life looking downward in hopelessness for some, the problem is not 
comparing sideways. It's not looking behind. It's not looking uh, uh, forward. It's not looking within. Their problem, their problem, they're always looking down. They're, they're always looking down. Ever, ever see somebody that's just physically, they're always got their head down, their face down? Uh, I ran into some people at, at, at Lakeside Mall, and I wanted to say hi to them, be friendly. I hadn't seen them in years. Uh, they, they, they had moved to their part of town, and yet they were at Lakeside Mall, and uh, I hadn't seen them in years, and I wanted to engage in discussion and hospitality with them, and they just kept looking down, and I couldn't figure out why are they looking down. Then I looked down as well, and they were both wearing white tennis shoes. Whoa! Mall walkers. You don't interrupt mall walkers. I mean, they'll run you over. You hear me in this? You don't stop mall. And that's why I could tell. I was being frozen out. They don't talk to me. I'm mall walking. And they were... <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a riot to watch. I hope I don't have any mall walkers here this morning. I'm going to get, a, I'm gonna get a, 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 an email or a letter. Uh, am I talking to somebody that received bad news this week? Am I talking to somebody this morning, perhaps you got a bad report? A bad diagnosis? You got a phone call like me? Pastor Phil, it's going to be $4,100. Huh? Am I talking to somebody? The enemy of our soul delights in killing hope within our lives, holding us hostage with, with hopelessness so that we'll be downcast, that we'll keep our face down emotionally, psychologically. The devil is whispering in our ear, Give it up! It's useless. It's dead. Your dreams are dead. Your business is dead. Your marriage is dead. It's crushed. It's at your feet. It's broken. It's shattered. It's dead. The devil's design is to keep you downcast. His plan is to keep you looking down with discouragement, disillusionment, uh, disappointment, and, and despair as long as he can keep you downcast. Just that long, he'll keep you in depression. And just that long, he'll keep you from victory. But God has a different plan. I said, God has a different plan. I said, God has a different plan. Hallelujah. Why did Job have to suffer losing everything. God had a plan, and it was called the plan of the double portion. Why did Joseph have to suffer enslavement? Why did Joseph have to suffer imprisonment? God had a different plan. It was a plan called the palace. Why, why did Jesus have to suffer the cross? Why did Jesus have to suffer rejection, mockery? They spat upon him. Why? God had a plan. It was called the resurrection plan because my Jesus is not dead. My Jesus is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Amen. God's plan for you and I is not to be downcast. God's plan for you and I is resurrection life. Let Him speak into those areas of your experience uh, that are dying with depression. Let Him speak life. 
life into your finances, life into your health, life into your marriage. Sit back, uh, lift up your hands and watch what God can do. Because God's got a plan. Well, if it's not uh, looking down, what is the best direction? Rather than sideways, backwards, forwards, inward, or downward, write it down. Let God lift your head upwards to Him. <laughs> Let Him lift your head upwards to Him. Uh, you think you've got problems. How many of you have ever had your son or your daughter chase you down like a fugitive and try to kill you? Preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about King David, Psalms chapter 3. His son Absalom was out for David's kingdom and out for David's throat. And what did David write as he hid in the desert from his own son, his own child, who was out to... You're talking about feelings of rejection and depression. What did David write? Psalms 3, Jehovah, how many are they that trouble me? Many that, that rise up against me. Many say of my soul... There is no salvation for him in God, but thou, Jehovah, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Hallelujah! 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 Praise the Lord! God's will is not for you to live life sideways or looking backwards or forwards or downwards or inwards. God's will for you and I, children of God, God's will for us is to lift up our heads uh, and see Him who is seated upon the throne uh, and hear what He is saying. He is saying to you this morning, uh, look into my word, focus on my word, uh, walk in God confidence through my word. When you lift up your eyes, unto the word of the Lord what do you discover you discover that God is your mighty warrior when you lift up your eyes when you lift up your head and look upon his word you realize if God is for us who can be against us his word declares, though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. His word declares, no weapon formed against you can prosper. His word declares, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. His word declares, nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. His word declares, greater is he that's within us than he that's within this world. Hallelujah! Lift up your head and look unto the Lord. Look at His Word. He is your mighty warrior. He is upon the throne. Uh, and our God, our God has all things in His hands and at His feet. Rather than mad or sad, God's operative plan for your life and mine is to be glad in Him. God's prescribed remedy for depression, hear me in this, is praise. You can't really praise the Lord unless you have your head lifted up, your hands lifted up. Praise will take the gloom from your night. Praise will break the chains that seem to bind you physically, psychologically, mentally, relationally. Praise brings down heaven's glory. Real praise ushers us into the presence of the Lord. Are you crushed with sadness this morning? Come, come, come.
come into His presence. The psalmist says in Psalm 16, in His presence is fullness of what? Joy. Jesus said, come unto Me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Are you burned out? Are you stressed out? Are you depressed out this morning? Come. Come into His presence. Isaiah the prophet says, as he quotes the Lord, God speaks in Isaiah chapter 40 and says, Don't you know, our God never grows faint or weary. Don't you know that no one can fathom the depths of His understanding? Don't you know He gives power to the weak? Don't you know that even the youth will get exhausted? Even young athletes will fall by the wayside. But they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up <laughs> with the wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. A farmer, a farmer was out walking in his back 40, his back woods, enjoying the evening. The work was over and he was meditating. When all of a sudden he heard a cry. It was a bird's cry unlike he had ever heard. And at the bottom of a tree, here he found a dead mother eagle that a shot had been shot by a hunter. And under her protecting wing was one little baby eagle, an eaglet. Having pity for the little baby eagle, the farmer took it home to his barnyard. And there, the baby eagle was raised by a hen as one of the hen's own. That baby eagle learned to walk and squawk. Not like an eagle, but like a chicken. Some of you are gripped with depression this morning. because of fear and the enemies caused you to be a chicken but you have not been ordained or created to be a chicken and as that baby eagle was walking and talking and squawking like a chicken with his head down pecking at the corn that the farmer's wife put out for him walking and squawking like a chicken one day a mighty male eagle flew over that barnyard and issued forth an eagle cry and that baby eagle lifted up his head recognizing that cry that baby eagle lifted up his head 
And instead of squawking like a chicken, he issued out an eagle cry in response. This happened day after day when suddenly that big eagle soared one last time over that farmyard. And that baby eagle this time lifted up not only his head, but lifted up his wings and began to fly and soared into the heavens, never to return to the barnyard, never to be a chicken again. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You have been created as the unique, special, loved creation of God. He has sought you and He has bought you with the precious blood of His own Son, Christ Jesus. He knows you better than you know yourself. He reads your mail. He's got your number. He knows all about you. And today, His presence is wafting above the very atmosphere of this sanctuary. And He's declaring unto you, <laughs> lift up your heads, <laughs> lift up your heads. <laughs> but you're saying, but God, God, you, you haven't watched the news. God, you haven't watched MSNBC. You haven't watched ABC, CBS, NBC. You haven't watched CNN or God, you probably haven't even watched Fair and Balanced, Fox News. You need to know, God, what's going on around this world. It's getting bad. It's getting bad. It's getting depressing. Lift up your head because all of a sudden you'll hear. When you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. What is he saying to us? I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. How about it this morning? Fill in that last blank with me this morning. When these things begin to come to pass, then lift up. Look up. Lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. Listen, God's will isn't for you to look sideways, backwards, forwards. God's will is not for you to look inward and be self-absorbed. And God, least of all, doesn't want you looking down. He is saying to you this morning, I'm your glory and the lifter of your head. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask even right now, I ask even right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, wrap your sweet arms of love round about these this morning. And Lord, call them, call them to first love with you. Call them, Lord Jesus, to lift up their heads and to see you in all of your glory. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I don't want to close this service by not giving an opportunity for people to find Jesus, to say yes to Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one is looking around in the privacy of this moment. If you're not sure you're right with God, if you're not sure that heaven is your home and you want to be sure, I'll pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. If you would like to be included in it, if you want to be sure that heaven is your home, just lift up your hand right now. 
I don't want to leave anyone out this morning. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. I just give a quick moment. This has been a message to Christians in the main. But I never want it said that I didn't give an opportunity. Then stand with me right now in the name of Jesus and sing it with us this morning. say pastor pastor somebody has wronged me somebody has hurt me pastor I've been used or abused in the past and anger indeed would like to rise up in me but I've decided not to be a chicken in a barnyard I've decided to lift up my head and soar into the presence of the Lord how many am I speaking to this morning? You know what I'm talking about. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. If you believe that the Lord is your glory and the lifter of your head this morning for that situation. How many this morning the enemy would like to depress you? But this morning you're determined to lift up your head and to see Him in all of His glory. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing it again. Would you join me down here? Come. Amen. That's right. Come. 